Now, let me sort of tell you, give you the 30,000 foot view of what we're doing. Um, where I'm going with this about uh, the ordinances, ecclesiology, is basically membership really needs to matter. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we say we believe in church discipline, but the reality is you're not going to practice church discipline if, in fact, you, you don't have clear fences around the body of the, your church. Those ordinances are there to be exactly that. They are fences. They mark who's in and who's out, who's a part of the body and who's not. And Baptist ecclesiology is, has always been focused on the local church. And because it's really, it's, I mean, you can't, there's no effective way to practice church discipline any other way. It, it has to be the local church. There's no universal church discipline. There's only local church discipline. There's only local church membership. And you know, this has always been the, the, the Baptist understanding. So uh, if I can get the, my screen up there. Um, th this is why we emphasize baptism. Because, uh, so I wanna, I'm going to go through with you how to get your church ready to practice scriptural discipline, biblical church discipline. But I think that membership has to matter. The fences have to be clear. The first one is uh, baptism. And the next one is uh, the Lord's Supper. Up there. Uh, so the Baptist faith and message says that baptism is prerequisite to the privileges of membership, including uh the Lord's Supper. Now, again, let me, let me say, I, I told you I'm teaching this from a Baptist perspective, but also from a Baptist perspective, let me be clear that a Baptist church can believe anything it wants to. If it wants to put in its doctrinal statement that all the members have to have green hair, a Baptist church can do that. It is completely autonomous. What you cannot do is is uh, to do something outside, say, the Baptist faith and message, and then claim to be within it. And the, here, so here's my argument about the Lord's Supper is, I think, based on the definition of baptism and the Lord's Supper, what they mean, what they are, their ordinances, not sacraments, who may partake, all that is clearly, I think, defined in the Baptist faith and message. You've got to ask when you look at the Lord's Supper, you say, all right, first question is, who may partake? I'm not, for a reason. There we go. Uh, whom are, who may partake of the Lord's Supper? So I, I'm, I'm not going to go through, uh, if you want to talk about the elements of the Lord's Supper, we can do that. I'll just sum it up and say quickly, I believe it's unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine, which I think is either grape juice or wine. Either one, they both come from the grape. I, uh, without getting into the whole issue of wine and grape juice, I, I will say that I think in the New Testament time, it really depended on how close to the harvest they were observing communion. Uh, immediately after the harvest, it's juice. Later in the year, it's wine. It was never like 
high potency stuff. Uh, wine was not uh, stored to be consumed years later then. It was all pretty much consumed within the cycle of the year before the next harvest and bunch of grapes. And also it was frequently cut uh, with water. So uh, I think both grape juice and wine are acceptable in the Lord's Supper. They're both the fruit of the vine and I think would be proper. Historically, uh, prior to the temperance movement of the 19th century, I think all Baptist churches used wine. As the temperance movement grew, they switched over to grape juice. And prohibition came, and after prohibition, people didn't go back. Churches typically didn't go back to it. But most Baptist churches made a switch, and it was part of the temperance movement. Again, we could go into that if we wanted to, but I'm just going to let that suffice. So I don't know many churches that are struggling with the elements of the Lord's Supper, but we do ask these questions, so who may partake of it? So when you serve the Lord's Supper, who's welcome at the Lord's table? Now, I've been in a lot of churches when the pastor serves the Lord's Supper and he says something like, now this is the Lord's table. It's not for us to say who may and may not sit at the Lord's table. Uh, it's the Lord's table. It's not our table. And well, that sounds so nice, uh, but it sounds so terribly unbaptistic uh, because uh, Baptists have clearly drawn a fence around it. Like, listen, look at the 1963 Baptist Faith of Message, 1925 Baptist Faith of Message, the Second London Confession. I mean, they, they define these ordinances as church ordinances. So you've got to ask the question, well, then who may partake? <clears throat> and you've got uh, three basic positions. The first one is closed communion. And, and that's the position that only members of that local body may partake. This often gets called the landmark position. And while it's true that uh, landmark Baptists uh, do believe this, uh, there, there are a lot of reasons to believe this that have nothing to do with landmarkism. And the main one is connection in 1 Corinthians 5 between church discipline and eating uh, at the Lord's table. So when Paul tells the church at Corinth, uh, he says it four times in that passage in different ways. You know, put him out of the church. You know, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. You know, purge out the old leaven. Uh, you know, he, he says it repeatedly and he, he tells them that they're not even to eat with him. Now the question is this verb as Theo, it's a normal verb for eating, but in the context of first Corinthians is Paul talking about not eating a meal with him. Uh, you know, if you compare it to Matthew 18, where Jesus says, when you put him out of the church, you're to treat him as. Uh, as a, a heathen, basically a publican, uh, you there, there's uh, well, when since when do we not eat with lost people? Uh, so there's the question: Is Paul talking about just not not eating with him at all, not having anything to do with him, or is he saying not eating at the Lord's table? And I think there's a really good argument to make. I mean, you can make the argument both ways, but I think there's a real good argument to make. That Paul's talking about the Lord's table. You're not, not to eat with him he, by putting him out of the church. And by the way, what is the word for disciplining someone? It is excommunicate. You put them out of the communion. And 
They are an excommunicant. They are no longer a communicant. So the closed, the, the uh, uh, closed communion says only those that are under our discipline, only those that we could actually withhold communion from if they were in sin are those that can eat it. The uh, close to it, no pun intended there, uh, is close communion. And this says, okay, <clears throat> we do believe it's primarily for the members of the local church. But if we would recognize the baptism and the authority of a sister church, and someone is in our church that day from a sister church whose doctrine we are consonant with, whose baptism we would recognize. This person is in good fellowship with their church. They just happen to be here. Then they're welcome to eat with us. We, if we would receive that church's letter uh, of commendation of this member, uh, and so just as a, a uh, cooperating church, if you will, we would extend to them the privilege of sitting at the Lord's table with us because we think that their, their salvation, their baptism, and their membership are all in order. They are in like faith in order to this church. So, therefore, they're welcome to eat at the Lord's table with us. Now, we need to sort of pause and, and remind ourselves that this is an issue largely caused by modern mobility. You know, I mean, you didn't have this in 1818 when Buck Run was founded because, you know, it's out in the middle of nowhere and there's nobody just passing by on Sunday, uh, the one Sunday a month ahead services. Uh, you know, this just didn't come up. You, you were at your church. People weren't mobile where they were traveling a lot. Uh, but today people are going to visit their parents and grandparents and they're stopping in, you know, First Baptist Church of Myrtle Beach when they're on vacation. And if they're serving communion, the question is, do we partake? If you believe in, cl in close communion, you would say if they're a member of a church of like faith and order, they're under the good discipline and authority of their church, then they're invited to partake. Now, I will argue that both of these are within the Baptist faith and message. Because the Baptist faith and message says that baptism as we've defined it, is prerequisite to the privileges of church membership, including the Lord's Supper. So if we recognize someone's baptism, we recognize their church membership, uh, then that's within the Baptist faith and message. Or if we say our church is just doing it with our members, uh, then that's within the Baptist faith and message. I'm going to argue that the third position, open communion, uh, is outside of the Baptist faith of message because if you just say anybody may partake, the, mo the only restriction that you would give it is they have to be saved. So you don't define baptism. You don't say <clears throat> you have to be scripturally baptized. And you just say, oh, if you're saved, you may partake. That's outside the Baptist faith of message. Now, again, you can do that, but what you can't do is say that 
you're, under, you're within the Baptist faith and message. If your church has defined, the, if it's said we follow Baptist faith and message 2000 or 63 or 25 for that matter, all three of those would exclude open communion. Uh, this is so, um, Dr. Dr. Moeller, a few years ago, uh, there was a local church that several of our professors were members of that was going to officially change their doctrinal statement on this and make open communion their official position. And Dr. Moeller told them, told them, he said, I would never interfere in the business of an autonomous local church. So this is, I'm, I have no authority over that church. But he said to those professors, if they change their position, you will have a decision to make. Uh, you can either be on this faculty or you can be a member of that church that practices open communion officially, uh, but you can't do both. Because Dr. Moeller says open communion is outside the Baptist Faith of Message 2000. So again, I'm calling this being honest about church membership. I I think we need to think through it. I think it's dangerous to just simply say we're serving communion and, and either not define it or not be honest with our membership about where we are on this. So I... I think this is a kind of doctrinal conversation that you need to have in your church and carefully lead them through and explain it. I said earlier today, one of my admonitions to you is the one of those counterintuitive things is don't be afraid of offending people with the truth. And I'm, I, I could testify, I could tell you story after story after story of people who got offended at me about something like this. And then the Lord used it in a marvelous way. But I got to tell you one. All right. So at Buck Run, I'm pretty clear about this. Uh, and I'm not going to say that every time I serve communion, I clearly state every part of our doctrine. But I am saying, <clears throat> you know, over the course of three or four times, you hear me serve the Lord's Supper, you're getting it all. You know, uh, time is a thing. I can't do a 30-minute lecture on the Lord's Supper every time we serve it. But I'm pretty clear that you have to be saved. You have to be scripturally baptized by immersion in a church of like faith and order. You have to be in fellowship with your church. Buck Run practices close communion. So uh, if we would extend it to people from a sister church that are in fellowship with their church and scripturally baptized. And I try and say that I'm very clear that if you've never trusted Christ, I'm asking you do not take it. And, uh, and if you've not been scripturally baptized, you don't take, it. and I, I'll refer to first Corinthians 11 where Paul warns that there are some, because they've done this in an unworthy manner are sick and, uh, and, some even are dead. The Lord takes his pictures very seriously. I'm going to say something about this in my sermon uh, this week at the Exposer Summit. Uh, God really takes pictures seriously. He, because Moses breaks God's picture, he does not go into the promised land. Uh, because some broke the picture in 1 Corinthians, uh, they were sick or died. Because... Uh, you know, what's the one thing you can do that will hinder your prayers? It's you break God's picture of Christ's love for the church. If you don't dwell with your wife according to knowledge, your prayers are hindered. So God takes his pictures seriously. We're not free to just change the picture. Uh, 
And we can't just say, well, it's, since it's only a symbol anyway, it doesn't matter. It, well, it, it matters because it's God's symbol. So I, I, I carefully fence it when we serve it. And there was a lady present that day who happened to be a lesbian in a long-term relationship with uh, another woman. And she was there with her sister. <clears throat> and as I laid it out there, she looked at her sister, who's a member of our church, and said, is he saying I can't partake? And God bless her sister, a member of our church, who looked at her and said, that's exactly what he's saying. I'm so grateful she didn't say, well, it doesn't really matter. Or, oh, no, that's not what he's saying. She said, yes, that's what he's saying. So she scheduled an appointment. And she came to see me. And she said, uh, are you saying that I can't take the Lord's Supper because I'm a lesbian? I said, no, ma'am, that's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, you've got a much bigger problem than the fact that you are a lesbian. She said, well, what's that? I said, you're going to hell. And that sort of caught her attention. And I just laid out the gospel to her that you're lost. And you have no business taking the Lord's Supper, not because you're a lesbian, but because you, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And I was very clear. Now, if you do that, it's going to say something about that relationship because Jesus is worth everything in your life, including that relationship. But that's not the thing that bars you to communion. Your sin is what bars you to communion. And I presented the gospel, and right there in my office, she prayed to receive Christ as her Lord and Savior, picked up the phone, called her 24-year partner, and said, I, I have fallen in love with a man. And she's been a, a member of our church now for, I don't know, 10 years. Uh, so... This is why I, I, I could tell you so many stories like that where, see, people don't get offended at the tooth fairy or at the Easter bunny, uh, you know, or the great pumpkin. It's, they get offended at stuff that might be true. That's what they push back against. It disturbs their sense of self-righteousness. That's a good thing. And I, I'm always happy to have an honest conversation with people about the truth and say, well, here's why we believe this. And again, you don't let them smell fear or anger on you, right? You just, you just, you just talk to them. And, and I say, man, by all means, you have every right to know why we practice this here. And by the way, this is pretty much standard, not just for Baptists, but for every denomination. They, they fence communion in some way. I mean, you go to a Catholic church as a Baptist, they're not going to let you take the mass because they say that this is for communicants in the Catholic church. And so uh, I, I think you're not going to have a clearly established membership if you're not showing them what the privileges and responsibilities of membership are. And uh, I think the ordinances are the way that we do this on a constant, ongoing basis. Baptism is the front door, done once upon profession of faith. The Lord's Supper done repeatedly as a, as a, a re, basically a renewed testimony that I believed and I still believe. Both baptism and the Lord's Supper have three tenses. They look back to what Christ has done. They look back you know, in, the, 
in the case of the Lord's Supper, it looks back to my profession of faith, the time that I appropriated Christ and received him. It's a present declaration. In the case of the Lord's Supper, it's saying, I still believe. I believed, I, I still believe. I'm still in fellowship with Christ. I still feed on him. Christ, our Passover lamb, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, has been sacrificed. You and I are in a perpetual feast of the Passover. And so there's no room for leaven, right? In the Passover feast, you, you can't have leaven even in the house. And this was Paul's argument about getting sin out of the church. Because Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. He, we're, we're in that feast. And, uh, and then it looks forward. Uh, baptism looks forward to the time when we'll be resurrected. The Lord's Supper looks forward to the time when we'll sit at the Lord's table uh, and feast with him in person. So this is what we constantly, there's a preachment of the gospel here. Uh, and I think, the, I think the ordinances are so terribly neglected in a lot of churches. It's just either they're done pro forma, there's no, people don't understand the doctrinal content of it. They don't understand the ongoing uh, impact this has on membership and fellowship. And this is part of us as the covenant community of Christ where we're testifying to each other. I still believe I'm in fellowship. And it's, it's a, a, a moment where we examine ourselves to see whether we are in the faith and to make sure that we're in fellowship with Christ. Now, once you, once you establish this, here's the, here's the boundaries of membership. That there are, there's, a, there's a front door into membership here, and it's baptism. Even if you come from a sister church, we're accepting you on the basis that you went through that door somewhere else. But we recognize it. You're welcome here now, but it's because you went through that door. And the Lord's Supper is the ongoing uh, fence that says, I still believe I'm still in fellowship with Christ and with fellow believers. And, uh, so what we're telling people is that membership matters. Now, if membership matters, then discipline matters. But here's the problem. Let's say that you really, you want to start practicing church discipline in your church, but they've never done it. Or if they did it, it's a long, long time ago. Uh, Buck Run, of course, been around 200 years. Uh, we found uh, in the minutes one time there was a, a guy that got disciplined for public drunkenness and gambling and dancing. And he repented and came back to church, but he said he repented of the drunkenness because he knew that was against the word of God. He repented of the gambling because he, he knew that was bad stewardship. But he did not repent of the dancing because he thought that was just a joyful expression. And uh, the church accepted him back on those, the repentance of the other two. and said, okay, we'll, we'll live with the dancing. <clears throat> so I, I like that. I think that's, that's a good thing. They, they, they made a distinction between what's truly biblical and what's just cultural and I said, okay, come on back. You're a, you're a dancer. We get it. We'll take you back. <clears throat> so how do you get a church to start practicing church discipline? Let me, let me give you a scenario. So you find out that someone who attends your church, who is a member of your church, uh, is now living, we used to say, you know, living in sin. They're, 
they're shacked up. They're living with a girlfriend. They're not married. And they're living as husband and wife, though they're not. And you go to them and confront them. I, is it true that you're living with your girlfriend? And let's say the guy's name is Billy Bob, and Billy Bob says to you, well, yeah, it's true. And you say, well, Billy Bob, this is sin. You understand that uh, this is not God's design. And you explain to him, and you say, I'm begging you to repent. He says, well, you know, preacher, I just think that's old-fashioned, and I don't feel the need to repent, and I, I don't think I'm going to do that. And you say, well, then I'm afraid I'm going to have to bring you for the church uh, for discipline. And he says, uh, well, why are you picking on me? Because uh, Jimmy John, he's a member of the church, and he's been shacked up with uh, his girlfriend for four years. You've never said anything to them. Well, who's Jimmy John? You've been the pastor for three years. He's never been in the church, but his name is on the roll, right? And all you're doing is disciplining the guy you know about. While the guy you, who never comes living in the same sin and nothing's ever been said to him. <clears throat> How do you get your church to the place where you're consistent in dealing with your members? <clears throat> Excuse me, that you hold everybody to the same standard and you, you can practice biblical discipline uh, and you don't have like, let's say your role is... Uh, Scott, what was our, our role? 1,200 and what? Uh, and, and on a good Sunday, yesterday we had 730 in church. So huge number of people on the roll, not in church. Um, what do you do about that? How can you practice discipline when, you, when you've got that? Well, uh, I learned something years ago from Adrian Rogers. I was discussing this with him and he said I've got an idea how to deal with this he said why don't you do it and tell me how it goes <clears throat> and I did I did it at Ashland Avenue and this is the second time we've done it at uh, Buck Run and uh, I'm, a, I'm gonna have uh, Scott come up and walk you through this do I need to pull that up what you sent me no, they've, got it. they've got it okay um so he's going to walk you through a procedure we're going through. So we, we've got the church to buy into. And basically, the genius of this is you're, you're going to try and contact everybody on your role and simply ask them, do you still want to be a member? You're going to tell them what's expected of members and ask them, do you still want to be a member? Here's the expectation. Do you want to do that? And so nothing happens to anybody that they themselves don't determine. If they say, yes, they want to be a member, okay, now we're just going to stay after them to get them here, get them involved. If they say no, we remove them from the role, but we put them on the prospect list and try and get them back unless they tell us they're at another church. So we had a whole procedure of this. I'm going to have Scott walk you through it so I, I can save my voice a little bit. And you've got the thing there, so take it away. All right. Take whatever time you need. Okay. So earlier in this year, ever since we moved into our new building that Dr. Yorks alluded to, we have talked about doing what we're calling a role update. And earlier this year, we just decided this would be the year that we um, we did it. So this is something that we have, uh, again, Buckeron and Dr. York have done this before. 
Um, but this is something we've been fine-tuning throughout the year and have rolled out this fall and will culminate in a lot of ways this Sunday with a membership day. Um, so what you, what you have in front of you is basically everything that we have shown either our deacons or our church, um, starting with the membership matters plan for Buckaround Baptist Church. So as Dr. Gregg saying, we want to, um, as, as we're thinking through church discipline, we want to be faithful in how we're caring for our members in other ways as well. And pastoral needs, we are past the threshold of being able to look around on a Sunday and remember and notice who's there or not there. Um, we're trying to have systems in place, but um, even today with working with some of our volunteers, uh, when we pull in who missed worship yesterday, we have hundreds of people that pop up, names that most of our staff um, have no idea. Um, so we're trying to figure out those, um, who they are, um, and, and want to be able to care and practically minister to people. Uh, we had an instance this summer where a family was gone for two months before we realized it. It's really too far down the road to really begin to, they're pretty wounded. Um, so we want to care for them. Um, so we, what this plan you have in front of you is what we, we took to our deacons at the end of the summer. Um, so they would be aware as we were heading into the fall and going to handle this with, with the church. And what we make sure that we were not communicating was that we're cutting people from our role, even though we will. We have 1,272 members on our role. Um, that number will go down. Um, drastically, but the point of this was not to remove people, it was to reach people. We're hoping and been prayerfully um, working hard towards trying to reconnect and bring some people back. A lot of the people on our roll are still sitting in our community and are not going, they're not participating in a church. Uh, we do have folks that we're finding or in other churches have moved, in a few instances have died and we were unaware of it. So there's lots of those things. But all of this, our church was very clear from the pulpit and every meeting we've had about this with our leadership is we're trying to reach people. We're not trying to remove or push people out. Um, we're not doing anything that they don't want to do. Um, so with that, uh, we have uh, we announced this to the church on a Sunday morning um, before we're going to ask the church to vote on it. Um, we want, obviously, one of the churches buy-in. We're a congregational church. If they did not want this, we wouldn't do it. Um, but in presenting that, we, um, Dr. York Share took a few minutes on a Sunday morning service to, to explain to them what we were going to do. Again, that we were trying to reach more people and to be very clear about who we have and who we're caring for as shepherds and overseers. Um, and then that next week, uh, our business meetings are quarterly. We call them family meetings. Normally, those are very, very brief times. Uh, of like five, ten-minute business meetings for us. Um, this one was a little bit extended out the time for, for Q&A as uh, the church was given. Um, this document that you have in front of you and that sample letter um, and kind of walk through that timeline. We did get some questions, um, mainly from, and this was anticipated, uh, our older demographic. Um, and a lot of their questions were centering on, some of it was verbiage on these four statements that you can see that we'll talk about in a second. Um, but it was anticipated, and Dr. Ork explained this to the deacons, that um, one of the biggest pushbacks we'll get from this is, is folks who have adult children that are members but are not faithfully in the church. So they're still holding on to the fact that their kids are members of a church, even though they're not faithfully involved in a church. Um, and that was anticipated, and, and we have gotten some of that. Um, again, just walking through, we want, again, we're trying to reach them and bring them back in. We're not trying to take your kid off the roll, even though uh, in the last few days, we've been walking specifically with a family through that, that, that they're feeling that. 
Um, so some questions on that. Um, ultimately, unanimously, the church approved this plan. So one thing that we did change, like it says September 16th, we ended up sending out letters. We didn't do that till the 1st of October. And the letters that we sent to the church, you have that letter in this membership card. Practically, we pushed it back so that people wouldn't lose the card between September and November. Um, but we needed a lot of time. So for us, those 1,272 people were not on one church database. So before we could even get to this part, our business office with lots of volunteers have been putting in a lot of hours of trying to consolidate what is a church role. It took us almost a month to get to that 1272 number um, because we had an Excel spreadsheet that our previous church clerk, who is now deceased, had, had run. It had... Um, 15 years ago, there were five blanks. It was like, didn't get name, ask Kathy. We have no idea who joined the church that day. It was five people. Um, Kathy, of course, had no recollection of some random Sunday 15 years ago. So we're feeding through all of that information. And unfortunately, I think it's the status of a lot of churches. We just don't even know who's out there. Um, so we had, we had discrepancies. We had three databases where our membership was kept, depending on who kept it. As we were growing and cleaning up and refining our processes, um, that's been a big part of this. And that may be kind of your experience, too, if you looked at your church role. Um, so we had to walk through a lot of that on the backside that our church obviously has, has no idea. We came to that 1272 number, and I've gone through all those names. Uh, a lot of our staff have. And there's just so many people we don't know. And, and desire to know, or at least to know where they are and, and who they're being cared for now. So the church uh, was given that. And, and what we were simply asking people is not some, nothing crazy. We're not asking um, anything that we think is outlandish. It's these four basic statements that you see on that card. Um, we're asking people to affirm those. And if they affirm those four things, to bring their card this Sunday um, November 3rd, to mail them in, whatever, let us know. We're not making it hard. We've had people that have emailed us, hey, keep me on the roll. Okay, this is not something we're trying to, like, make it really complicated. We've had folks on the other side, too, that have Facebook messaged Dr. York's wife and said, take me off the roll. Okay, we're letting people, they're making that decision. We are not making them for them. We're not trying to force them into anything. We are obviously getting in front of them and hopefully stirring some questions, which led to, a question on there that they could check if they want to talk to a pastor about a, their spiritual condition. We want that. We want to minister to people, and that's what this is about. It's not about, even though, like, I'm a systems guy, I'm an executive pastor, I want clean things, I like spreadsheets that matter and don't have junk on them and databases. I, I like all that, and we'll get it soon. But the point is to have those things so we can better care for um, the the folks that God has entrusted us to care for. Um, I will say one thing that Dr. York changed at the last minute, which was very helpful, is that third, I'd like to talk with a pastor about my spiritual condition. Originally, that said, I'd like to talk with a pastor. We did not want to invite criticism of this process. We were already down the road. Um, we want to talk to them about their spiritual condition and, and what that is. So our members have, have responded really well to this because people at Buck Run are incredible and, and have gotten the heart behind this of wanting to reach people. We've been um, partnering with our deacons and helping to try to reach folks. So we got, I mean, just last week alone, we had another almost 100 letters come back undeliverable from bad addresses. So we're working to, Facebook, honestly, is really helpful in this, to find people um, where we're Folks, especially a lot of our staff are younger, have been at Buck Run just um, four or five years 
I don't know a lot of the people that are on these lists. So we're able to work with some of our longer-term members and hey, you know them or you know their relative or whatever, help us get those addresses. So so what this will look like is, is kind of, again, this our next step is we've mailed our entire church, everybody we had, everybody we had addresses for, we've mailed them these cards. Um, we have found a lot of members didn't get them. Some of that's post office, I don't know where they went. Uh, some of that is just bad information and addresses and things. Um, but... But this Sunday, all of our members will bring their card. Um, they'll throw it on the offering plate. We're having a special service where we want to highlight membership and ministry. Uh, we called it Membership Day. Uh, nothing fancy. It's basically going to be a, a, a normal worship service for us um, with Dr. York just adding a piece on why membership matters, some of the stuff that he's talking about today. Um, we're doing it at a special time. We're not having Sunday school. So we're just one service at 10. And then before and after the service, we're going to have a, a ministry fair. And we're trying to help people understand that membership is not, again, about being on a roll. It's so much more than that. Um, that, that together we're here to, to live out what God has called us to in Frankfurt. So we're going to have our, uh, our primary ministries. We'll, be, we'll have tables up in the lobby where people can get involved, ways for people to serve. Our ministry plan and our budget will be rolled out that day. Um, missions is our focus in 2020, um, showing that together what we're able to do to advance the Great Commission, um, working really hard to not let our people just think that it's a card that we're doing. We're working really hard on the why, um, and, and that seems to be going pretty well, and our people are understanding that. So our hope is that this Sunday we have a lot of people, a lot of people, even though yesterday was an awesome day for us, uh, attendance-wise, that we see a big bump and that there's tons of faces, uh, which we did experience yesterday. We had a lot of folks that we that were new to us. Um, but the, this Sunday at 10, there's a lot of people that we've reached out to. Um, some of that is um, ideally, and as fellow pastors, you may carry the same burden that we're not doing enough, that oh, I really should. I hate that we've not contacted some of these people sooner. Um, but we are, and we have right now, and we're excited about that, and we're going to walk out of this with, with better processes in place to be able to care for the members we have. So along with this, Dr. York told you, in 2007, we did this. Um, I talked to a person on Friday who was removed, that thought they were still a member. They were actually removed from our church membership in 2007, um, so I don't know, how, they missed that one, um, but we're going to reconnect with them. Um, uh, but we're also, we're shifting church databases, so this is like the backside with um, some of our staff and volunteer teams. This is not something that we want to constantly be doing. Um, this is, obviously, no one wants to run a roll update all the time in your church. Um, but we're putting processes in pa place that we're moving to a system where we can easily see who's not been attending, who's missed a couple weeks of community group, Sunday school, and worship. Because, again, right now, if we do that, hundreds of names pop up, and that's not helpful to us. Um, so we're, we're putting a lot of effort in on even what happens next. There's actually volunteers meeting at the church right now that are going to take what we hope are a 1,000 of these cards um, and be able to process those next Monday. So they're kind of doing a dry run on that to make sure that's good to go. Um, so on the back side, whoever we don't hear back from, we got this master spreadsheet thing now. Um, if they say yes, members. If they say no, they're out. But we're going to have hundreds here in this middle section uh, that we will do everything we can pastorally with our deacons and with other church leaders to hunt down. Um, so again, we're not just, if, if I don't get a card by next week, they're removed. We're going to, whether that's certified letter, 
making some home visits, hunting down, doing everything that we feasibly can. We're, getting, we're going after the one, um, lots of ones. We're going after them. Uh, we're not going to be lazy in this process. Um, it would be really simple to just stop there and be like, hey, we didn't hear from you. Um, we're going to go after them. And that's, uh, that's kind of our next step after this week. Um, eventually, there may be folks, that, there will be folks that we've not heard from. You kind of see that on their January family meeting. We may push that because I don't know when the holidays hit, it's going to be hard to do a lot of this, uh, as you well know. Um, so we may push that to our April family meeting, but eventually whatever members we have not heard back from, yay or nay, uh, we'll bring them before the church, showing due diligence in every way possible um, to reach them, and then we will ask the church for a vote to remove them from membership. Um, so that's the only, and by that we would say that they've not responded, so it's still their choice. But we are we're doing very thorough um, to to make sure that that we're reaching as many people as we can. We've had some hard conversations already. Some have gone well. Some have gone not the way that we would have preferred. Um, but we are beginning to see response. But our church as a whole, particularly with with who really are our people, everybody's on board. It's gone really smooth and pastorally. It's just going to be really nice to know who we're responsible for before the Lord. Um, and then who else is, everyone else is just continuing to be a part of a community that we seek to reach every day as our ministry. So uh, if you have any questions about that, I can, if they're general, I can answer them now, or we can, on a break, answer those. But, yeah. So those will be things we talk about. As Dr. York has said this, so some people are just going to say yes. We've had some where parents have, we worked really hard if they're adults to not send them to parents' addresses, even if that's the address we had. So college students we have, some of those were kind of judgment calls, but we've already gotten some back like, oh, it's the same handwriting as your mom. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> and I don't know either of you. Uh, we have no attendance for you. So that's going to happen, and ultimately when that comes out of that system, to use Dr. York's language, we're just going to bug them to death. We're going to be all over them because we want you to be a part of it. So ideally our plan is to come out of this, and we will constantly have a report in front of our staff that this isn't official, but probably if you've gone three weeks without anything, because two weeks you could still be on a vacation. But if it's three weeks and we don't have any attendance in, again, community group worship, because we do worship attendance on our Connect card and our bulletin and in our app, um, or Sunday school, if we don't have any of that kind of attendance, then you're going to get a call from deacons, us, somebody, depending on, on who gets assigned that contact. We're just going to be on them, and ideally that's to bring them back. Um, there are going to be folks that check this card and we still never see, um, and those will be conversations that we continue to have, but our plan is to, just, to pester them into coming. Um, Oh, I mean, Lord willing, I think if we if we do our job well, and that's what as much as we're putting into like prepping and talking to our members about this, we've got folks that are working on what's next because we really don't want to ever have to do it again. Um, that doesn't mean we won't. Um, there's so many things as this is church leadership we're having to keep up with, and and. Then, I wasn't at Buck Run in 2007, but just knowing what's happened, all the changes happened since 2007 at Buck Run, there were a lot of things having to be, to be kept up with, and that's really hard. Um, so ideally, again, it's not to keep a clean spreadsheet, but if we if we have to get to this spot again, in some sense, it's because we have not been consistently keeping up with our folks. Um, and again, there's lots of facets to pastoral ministry. So 
My prayer is that we never do it. And we're working really hard to make that possible. But there's no plan to every decade we're going to do this. That's not to say in 12 years we're not doing it again. But that's the plan. Yeah. Right, so every time that we've talked about it, we've used language like it's happening on this day, which membership day is a celebration of, of membership and ministry. When you come on that day, again, as people are already coming in thinking purge, they're walking in, and it's going to be a different experience like in our lobby. We're even setting it up. We're trying to make it feel and look, and just everything is going to be different to show ministry, that this is why every time Dr. York or any of our others, um, I'm primarily the guy that does like announcement stuff. So when we're talking about it, we're, um, we're, we're using that language like, uh, Dr. Orkin said this over and over and over talking about it, of nothing's happening that somebody doesn't want them to, to happen to them. We want membership to matter here. He's even used language of, um, you guys are here, you're participating, you're carrying your share of the work. This is especially what we talked about in the deacons meeting. We want other people to join in and, and carry their load. Uh, and they have gifts that we need to be using. God doesn't just send people to buck around or to your church either. Uh, with gifts to sit on the sideline. Um, and we do have an incredible workforce, um, folks that are really serving, and we want to add to that. So we just continue to use language like that, reaching out. This is going to help us. Uh, our deacons are play a really important part in our church of helping our staffs, obviously, communicating things. But our, we have a lot more deacons than we have staff, so they're in community groups. They're out there. So we're feeding them language, too, of, of this is a... Um, it, this is an outreach. Dr. York has straight up called this an outreach. So Upward might be your outreach. Trail of Treats, tr- Trunk or Treat stuff might be your outreach. This is one, another outreach for us of, because for all intents and purposes, a lot of these folks, we don't know and we need to reach just as much as we do the, the people that live right next to the church that aren't members. So it's just all of that language, just saying it all the time and never saying purge. Um, so we were wrestled like internally of what are we going to call this. Dr. York said it on roll update, so that's what you hear. Um, so we're, we are updating that, but they're not hearing me say, I'm excited about having a clean database and spreadsheet. They're just internal. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, so we currently use a database called Simple Church, which is that, super simple. It's great. It's clean. We're moving away from it. Um, so don't write it down. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, and in that, we can run a report that's, so I can say no attendance in this group for this amount of time. Um, but Simple Church doesn't even have, it doesn't have 1,272 members. We just use it, we call it our active membership. So that's what we're running in, like attendance and volunteer communication. But we're switching to another one that has a lot more dynamic reporting. So we'll, It'll, it can automatically send us all these things. Is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah, okay. So when you come to Buck Run, you'll get a bulletin, or you can, if you download the Buck Run app, which I encourage you to do, because um, it makes me look great if you download it. I'm just kidding. Uh, you can see a lot of what we've talked about. We put all this in there. But So we have a Connect card, and all of our members, a lot of them, put that they're in attendance, um, and then all our community group leaders take us attendance, and then Sunday school classes, we take attendance. So we're able to see kind of who's there. We have folks that never fill out a Connect card, but they're always in a community group, 
they come to my community group. I'm putting their name in our database, the attendance role. They may never know it, but but so we're getting them at those points. And this is going to be even more important. We, Dr. George talks about the Connect card during the welcome time in the offering every single week. But eventually we'll be able to put more pressure on people because they're going to get a phone call um, or a contact from us. If they're just worship-only people and we never, and they don't fill out a Connect card, the system's going to say they're not at Buck Run. So they'll get a call. And then hopefully it's an ask of, hey, can you start filling that out? It's helpful to us. And, and it's helping us minister more faithfully to people. We really need you to, when Dr. York asks you to fill out a Connect card for you to do it. Um, so that's practically how we how we do that. Buck Run's been doing that, I don't know how long, the Connect card thing, but a long time. Yeah, so we've just kept that going. Honestly, it's not the most useful thing to us, but we always know it could be. <laughs> so we've just left it because they're used to it. Um, the app's really helped us. So now people can just do it online. They just do it on their phone, um, and that's increased the number of, of forms that we get. Yeah, any other questions? Yeah, for sure. So I think at 9.30 we'll have everything kind of going in the lobby. It's Time Change Sunday. Some people are just going to come at whatever time they come to church anyway, regardless of what we say. So you're going to have your coffee drinkers there at 8.45 or whatever, um, but we're going to be ready to go for them, and we're, just, we're cool with that. Um, so at 9.30, we're kind of viewing like 30 minutes before and after service. When you come in our lobby, it's kids' ministry. It's just our core ministry, so we obviously have lots of different things, but if you do too much, you do nothing. Um, so student ministry, kids' ministry, community groups, adult discipleship, missions, worship ministry, and then a table for how do you serve. So our idea being when they go to kids' ministry, if they ask, hey, how can I get involved and serve, we're, of course, going to talk to them. Uh, but it's like, here's what we, how we want to minister to your kids. This is how we want to plug you in a community group. And then we have a table for how they want to connect and, and serve. So they'll be able to come to that. We'll have coffee. We're, um, we'll talk this week and probably do a few different things in that lobby to make it feel different. And then the worship service will be a basic service for us. Uh, call to worship, song, welcome, two more songs, scripture, reading, prayer song, sermon, invitation, and then we'll shift a little bit. Um, so Dr. York at that point is going to talk for, I think, 10 to 15 minutes on membership, again, just to kind of talk about what we're doing. And he's saying this is why membership's important. He's not minimizing membership. He's not making it about a card. Like this is, this is the why. This is what we're doing. And then we'll have our offering after that. We're going to throw these cards in the offering. Um, we talked about different collection pieces. We don't want people, we, there's a thought, we do this at for Lottie Moon. People come forward and everybody puts money in a manger. Um, this is a really cheesy thing we do that raises a ton of money for missions, so we keep doing it. Um, it's super hokey, but Dr. York tried one year to like, people literally, everyone in the congregation comes and puts money in this little manger that, again, who knows how long that thing's existed. And he took it away, missions giving dropped. It came back, right, right? We'll do whatever for Lottie Moon and for international missions. Um, we're pragmatists in that sense for sure. Um, so we'll, they'll just, we don't want people walking forward and then feeling pressure to, to sign up for something. So we'll just throw it in the offering plate, and then we'll just we'll sing another song, I think. I think there's a song at the end, and then we'll dismiss. We're keeping that at an hour and a half, which is just slightly longer than our normal services, um, so that... We're not trying to start this. We didn't cancel Sunday school to make the service necessarily longer, just to bring special emphasis to it and to get people out in that lobby. We really want 
again, we don't just want to say the why, now we've got the how. So ideally, we've got folks we haven't seen in a long time. We've reached out to them. We've mailed them. We've talked to them. And they're, the Spirit's worked in their heart. For whatever reason, they feel guilty. I don't know. Whatever brings them in the door is great. They come, and we're, we're not trying to, like, berate them. Like, how could you? Or membership, we've not been faithful. It's not that. It's a, here, this is what we're doing. This is exciting. And here's, a, all right, now walk out of here and go get plugged in. All of our ministry leaders are out there ready to go. We got folks ready to plug them into a community group that will meet that night. We intentionally, we originally had a family meeting scheduled for that night. We intentionally made sure we had community groups that night. We want our people getting back together and talking about it. And Lord willing, we've got folks that come in that we've got community group leaders out there in the lobby. They're like, hey, come to my group tonight at 6 while I dinner at my house. So immediately begin to pull them in, which I'm sure you see the same thing. If you can get guests or old church members, in this instance, in somebody's home or to a meal, it increases the, the chance that they stick. So we've made some, some tweaks like that. Yeah, so right now, if you looked at our membership, we have like seven categories. We have inactive, active, out-of-state member, inactive, out-of-state member. I don't know how an out-of-state member is active, but we have that category. Like, it's kind of humorous. I would love to know the why on some of these things. It's member or non-member is what we're going to. Now, certainly, we'll keep track of, of some things, but as far as we view our membership, it, we're just going with member. Um, we are going to have people from out-of-state that say yes. And my thought, I'm speaking strictly for myself here, I'm hoping that we call them and convince them of what church membership is. And it's not that they say, take me off the roll. It's then they're looking for a church there. And I may not know where they live, but I'll, we'll figure it out. We've got enough connections through this place. We'll, we'll help them. So it's not, and all of this we're not trying to, hey, you live in, we have a card just came in from Hawaii. Hey, you live in Hawaii. You're never, you don't even come visit your parents. You're never going to visit here again. <laughs> like, I want to get them connected there. So I still, if they're saying yes, that's great. Now we have a voice to help them. I still want to minister to them, even if they don't live in our county. Uh, but we're just going, we're not doing an inactive member. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. All right, sounds good. So, yeah, if this leads to like, a need for baptism, uh, we do baptisms. They're available basically every Sunday. Um, and we're happy to put as many baptisms in a service. So we don't do necessarily like baptism Sundays, um, but we we schedule them as soon as, as is feasible for them, basically. Um, it's basically a green light with rare exception for us. So... Um, if this leads to a need for a lot of baptisms, we'll, we'll just schedule them whenever they want to be scheduled. Yeah. Uh, your second question was dual membership. Is that right? Yeah. We have a lot of snowbirds. We don't, they go to churches there. They may be members down there. I'm not really sure. Dr. Horton might be able to speak to that. We would keep them as members as long as they're wanting to be, even if they're gone for three or four months or till the weather turns.
Right. Yeah, so we have done, uh, if I'm understanding the, what you're asking, we've done live testimonies, not for this specifically, but yeah, if this led to, to someone, of reaching someone or getting them reconnected, our biggest thing was videos is production quality and finding the right people to do those. Uh, we've not had someone that's been really against this right now that has been, because this isn't a, our church isn't like, this isn't what everybody's talking about. Uh, it's an important, it's a big deal, but this isn't like the, the biggest scuttlebutt happening in the lobby at all. So there's not like an, we've had people that have understood it and are now not against it, but we don't, we don't have anybody that's championing it. Cause I don't think there's an, I think people would rise to it if there was a need, but there's, and to the extent there's opposition in our deacons meeting, which we have 36 deacons, I think right now active this year, we're growing our deacon fellowship. Um, so I think we're somewhere there. We had one person that was opposed. He was, and it was mainly rooted in, in 2007, a lot of people were against this kind of thing and, um, which led to a good conversation. And that's what the conversation was for, um, at the family meeting, there were a few people, it was more, they were wanting to change just a couple words on the affirmation card, uh, was a lot of the questions. Um, but we've not had a ton of opposition from people that actually attend there have been a few emails from people that we don't know of hey I got this you're just after whatever um, but not from our our people all right if you have any other questions I'll, I mean I'm here so I'm happy to answer them um, here's my my take on it and I, one way I sort of sell it to people is uh, a man, a man who loves his wife, doesn't mind somebody asking him if he loves his wife. Ask me if I love my wife. I'm happy to talk about the way I love my wife. It's the guy who really doesn't feel much, doesn't feel that for his wife, who resents the question. So the only people who resent the question are the people who aren't loving the church. And uh, you know, at one point they made a commitment that now they're, they're not keeping and we want to get them back. And that's our goal. I did this at Ashland Avenue and we got people back that then the rest of my tenure there were in and they were solidly in. So it does work and that's what we're after. And uh, man, there, there are specific people I'm praying for that this will get them back in. Uh, but it is going to clean up our database. So uh, another thing, and I hope to say this Sunday to people, this is why that Connect card registering your attendance is so important because now we're going to try and do a better job of keeping up. As we grow larger, you've, you've got to use systems because you can't go on, gee, I've not seen Billy Bob for three Sundays. You, you just can't rely on that because we're big and our sanctuary is big. You know, it seats 900 people and I'm not, and, and people move around now like they didn't at the other, at the other place. So, uh, you know, we, we've entered a completely different phase of the life of Buck Run. I mean, it was just a real small church on the Elkhorn Creek for most of its 200-year history, and now it's not. And so you've, you've got to keep up with it. And we want to be faithful to keeping up with those people. As a, you know, uh, if I'm a shepherd, I need to know who my sheep are. And right now I don't. Uh, and so uh, I, I just think every so often you're going to have to do this. Uh, 
But it's not the end, right? This just gets us, this just gets us to the place where, okay, now we can be more effective both in ministry and ultimately in discipline. And uh, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, let me just ask you any questions for me. But, uh, and we'll start that next session with me just going through a, a few stories of discipline. We've just recently had an incredible success story with discipline. And um, I, I'm a believer but again, you've got to get the church to the place where, where they can do it. So I'm going to go through that process here in just a moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was. Yeah. I was quoted extensively in that story. So, yeah. I, I came to the guy's defense because I was furious at the Herald Leader for just trolling Facebook to come up with a story. Uh, and they jump on a church. And one of the things that I did the night we presented this to the church, I told, I looked up on the website for Rotary International, what are the requirements for membership? And they had three. And one of them was you show up and you pay your dues, or two of them were, I should say. Uh, and I said, man, something's wrong when the church of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, has less standards than Rotary International. Uh, so, uh, you know, I just, that, and that was what I said to the Herald Leader. And, and when that happened, they jumped all over that guy. You know, I said, is it newsworthy that the Rotary Club has standards for membership? Why is it newsworthy to you that a church does? <clears throat> and I got a call from that pastor later and he told me, that one of the people that had not been to their church for literally 20 years, uh, the guy, the pastor was in a restaurant and the man's adult son came over to him and said, hey, I want to thank you. He said, I know it was out of spite, but my parents went to church Sunday for the first time in 20 years. They went to somebody's church. <clears throat> so, hey, you know, great. Um, yeah, I, I'm not worried about the press getting a hold of it. I'll just, I, I can defend it. Ah, we, we have standards of membership. We're, that's, and the way I do it is I, I would say to the press, this is unremarkable. What organization doesn't have standards of membership? You know, and for us, showing up is part of it. And just sort of like that, it's not, again, no fear, no anger, just flat. There's no story here. Keep going. And I, and I think that sort of deals with it. Yeah. Uh, Buck Run has an original church covenant from 1818, and that's the only the record of the only covenant I can find. It's really quite simple. <clears throat> it's about caring for each other. Again, I would argue if you're not coming, you're not keeping that covenant, and I'm content with that. Uh, you know that the old standard church covenant that I've read when I was a kid, I, I sat there and read that church covenant a thousand times while my dad was preaching because he was hanging on the wall, you know, by the, behind the choir. Um, I think it's too restrictive in some things and unrealistic in others, you know, a, a church covenant to maintain secret and private devotion. I'm just like, honestly, are you willing to make that a part of your covenant? What you're saying, if somebody doesn't do that, you're willing to exclude them. So, you know, and I don't want it to be that restrictive. I want it to be a basic covenant. Just really, this is the basics Again, like a doctrinal statement, you make it as broad as you can live with, not as narrow as you'd like it. I have greater 
aspirations for my members than that, but that's the minimum that I would want from them. 